clean yourself up, get the help, and pray. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's all we can do. I think is is ultimately it is not our job to save them. They have to save. They 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 have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, and and they have to be able to do the work themselves. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. Well, happy Tuesday to you, my friends. My name is Amber Archer, producer here at the show Fearless with Mark and Amber, an extension of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. And joining me as always is my husband, producer, director, author, and speaker, Mark Archer. Wow, here, listen to all those cool titles. Oh, cool titles, right. <laughs> so do you actually do all those things? I Not all at the same time, <laughs> but eventually I get around to all of them. Right. So this is a husband and wife show where we share about topics affecting our culture and the current events and how we can respond and work together from a biblical perspective. And we do that through films, books, podcasts, speaking events, and more. We're just honored that you guys are joining us today. You can check us out at fearlessfeatures.org. That's where you can get archives of this program. If you've missed some of the shows over the past few weeks, we've had so many amazing conversations with guests on the show. You'll definitely want to go check those out. It's also a great place where you can make a donation. If you want truth to be shared and fought for and tough issues and solutions to be shared uncensored across the country and around the world, then a donation to Fearless Features makes that happen and helps us produce more films and other content as a vehicle to share biblical truths and solutions facing our culture. We like to look at the documented history of how things got a certain way that's causing the problem and how a church, that's me, and that's you, I'm guessing, for those of you who are listening. You know, how is the church influencing the culture and standing against those who seek to destroy biblical truths? So we bring together the courageous to tell you guys, you know, how you can get involved and to show you and to share and make a difference to the success of God-honoring outcomes. You can see an example of what I'm talking about right now at our website, fearlessfeatures.org. You can watch our latest film, Inwood Drive, that tackles the polarizing topic of abortion. You can also check out our current project, The Mind Polluters, that will share the shocking reality that children all across America are having their innocence stolen by those you think have their best interest in mind. The hearts and minds of every child is being perverted through the corrupted sexualized training at the government public schools. Everyone is going to need to see this film, especially if you have children or grandchildren in the public school system. We pray that eyes will be opened and everyone sees the truth and how they can get involved to save our children our families, and our nation. This is a work in progress and an act of faith, and you can help ensure this film gets completed when you partner with us and share your one-time gift or recurring monthly gift to Fearless Features. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so every gift is tax deductible. Just visit fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give to learn more. With that, we can see that there is a great battle happening before our eyes. Mm -hmm. Some of us just need to say no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you have a funny. I have a funny. Because <laughs> we, we talk about faith, family, and filmmaking. Right. Right? And because we're filmmakers, and for those that don't know, I've worked in film for over 30 years, and I've done I've done big movies, little movies. We do documentaries now, but I've done television series and music videos and everywhere in between. And I have I have dealt with all the unions in the filmmaking and television industry. And if, in case you didn't hear, that President Donald Trump <laughs> sent a very pointed and 
timeless response. I love that guy. To the Screen Actors Guild. Now, if you're not I familiar. Say, tell everybody what that is. So the Screen Actors Guild is. A union. A union. It is the Screen Actors Union, that also known as SAG. And then there's also, along with that, what's called AFTRA, mm-hmm. which is the American Film and Television Radio Alliance. Uh-huh. So SAG, AFTRA, they're combined. Uh-huh. It's the film and TV and radio union, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to read, I just want to read his letter because, of <laughs> course, the cancel culture run amok has, I know it's hard to believe that the Screen Actors Guild would be subject to the cancel culture madness going on. But they decided that they were going to consider revoking Donald Trump's union membership. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in case you don't in case you didn't know, <clears throat> in the film and television industry, there reaches a point and I I feel I feel badly for actors. Mm-hmm. Because there does reach a point where if you want to keep going, you're going to have to join the union. Right. Because the they the jobs it. the jobs are all controlled by the unions. Mm-hmm. You really don't have a choice. Um, it's sort of like the teachers' unions at the schools, right? Except for they do have a choice, right? And so, I uh, listen. I have never held back on telling people the blatant truth about dealing with the Screen Actors Guild. I have had opportunity to join the Directors Guild, and I told them no. Mm-hmm. Even when I probably could have used it to my advantage, I have a fundamental disagreement with the unions and how they spend their their money. Well, it's ineffective. The people who are employed, right. To get the jobs done. Right. So I I was at a point in my career where I was... Not all unions, by the way. I was eligible and and I had been offered another film and I was going to have to join the DGA mm-hmm. to do it. The project kind of fell apart. That's a whole other story. But I did not want to join the DGA mm-hmm. because of what, just the, the politics of it. Yeah. But, <laughs> Donald here's, Trump. Here's somebody else who gets it. Donald Trump wrote, and this, and I found, I downloaded this letter off of the the, the SAG website. February fourth. February fourth, two thousand twenty-one. Miss Carteris, who I assume is the SAG after president, I write, I write to you today regarding the so-called disciplinary committee hearing aimed at revoking my union membership. Who cares? <laughs> That's what he wrote. That's what he wrote. Who cares? I love love President Trump. While I'm not familiar with your work, (laughs) I'm very proud of my work on movies such as Home Alone 2, Zoolander, and Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, and television shows including The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Saturday Night Live, and of course, one of the most successful shows in television history, The Apprentice, to name just a few. (laughs) Uh, I've also greatly helped the cable news television business, said to be a dying platform with not much time left until I got involved in politics. (laughs) (laughs) Which there's still, there are many who are still obsessed with trying to find anything to talk about. Well, remember, remember we saw that story last week that CNN's ratings have plummeted now that Trump's out of office. Yeah. Well, and their, and their president is resigning. Yes. Oh, yeah. Zucker is resigning. Because now what? Because they don't have anything to talk about anymore. Um, And created thousands of jobs at networks such as MSDNC. (laughs) 
<laughs> and fake news CNN, among many others. Which brings me to your blatant attempt at free media attention to distract from your dismal record as a union. <laughs> Your organization has done little for its members and nothing for me. Besides collecting dues and promoting dangerous un-American policies and ideas, as evident by your massive unemployment rates and lawsuits from celebrated actors, who even recorded a video asking, why isn't the union fighting for me? I haven't seen that video. I'll I have to look either. that up. These, however, are policy failures. Your disciplinary failures are even more egregious. I no longer wish to be associated with your union. As such, this letter is to form you of my immediate resignation from SAG-AFTRA. You have done nothing for me. Regards, President Donald J. Trump. (laughs) So, I have a quick SAG-AFTRA story. Um, And then we'll get into talking about saying no. Just Yeah, saying no. So... One of my very early uh, productions, I was doing um, a, a PSA. So it was a TV commercial. It was a public service announcement. Right. So mm-hmm. in the TV commercial world, public service announcements are TV ads for, you know, good causes, nonprofits, things like that. So the broadcast networks are required by the FCC to allocate a certain amount of airtime every day to public service. And they can't charge for it. So that's why you see, you know, you, you, you've you seen PSAs. It'll be yeah. things for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Promoting literacy or, or, or what have you. And so I was doing a PSA for an organization here in Indiana called Stop the Madness. Mm-hmm. And it was a big production. And we were doing reen- a reenactment of a shooting and so I had hired, or I wanted to hire an actor out of LA mm-hmm. to come in and play the lead role. And I, and I called him up and I said, here's the thing. Um, I would love for you to have the part. And I was looking at him for a role in, I was doing this PSA and like six weeks after that, we were going to start on American Real, which was a movie with David Carradine and Mario Hemming, a real movie. Yeah. And so I was, I was kind of looking to uh, work with this guy and then give him a role in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is a, a good opportunity to just, you know, screen him, screen him basically, yeah. and something that's a little lower impact. And so I told him, I said, I would love for you to play this part. I need you to come in, blah, blah, blah. But I said, but here's my only snag is I am not SAG signatory. Which means every production, if you're going to hire SAG actors, you have to become a SAG signatory. Mm -hmm. So you basically sign a contract with the union. Your production company signs a contract with the union saying, I will abide by these rules and regulations for dealing with union actors. And the problem is that part of that involves paying royalties, and I said, I can't, I can't sign as a signatory because there are no royalties. Right. It's a PSA. Right. It's a PSA. If it was a Nike commercial, <laughs> right, then <laughs> you'd different. get royalties. But this, there are no royalties. Nobody's getting paid for this. I wasn't even getting paid for it. And so 
I said, so that's my only thing. So I will leave it to you. Get back to me. I gave him a couple of days. I said, you get back to me. And he said, it shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. So he talked to his agent and then his agent said, well, you need to talk to SAG. Mm-hmm. So he's dealing with the LA office of SAG and he called the LA office, explained everything to them. And they, and they told him, and I'm basically quoting, we forbid you to take this job. <laughs> okay. And then he calls me back and he said, I can't. And I said, well, what if, but we're okay. We're under the Chicago SAG office. So forget try what there. they told you. Try Chicago. Yeah. He called Chicago. They told him the same thing. You are forbidden. They told him, you, we forbid you to take this job. And so, and here's the thing. I wasn't, I was willing to pay him. I, I told him, I will pay you full union rate. I will pay your airfare. I will pay your hotel. I will pay everything except royalties. Right. I can't do it. I don't have them. Wouldn't let him do it. And so here's a guy who, uh, he had a chance at it and he knew that it was his chance to then maybe co-star in a film with David Carradine. Yeah. And he had to say no because he was, because the union has such a stranglehold on people that's how he was providing health insurance for his family. And yeah. he said, listen, I've got kids and I just, I can't risk it. So I'm going to have to say no. Yeah. And so that's, that's so how sad. well the unions work yeah. for people, uh, right? That's how well they work. Not at all. So I find it rather hysterical that Donald Trump told him to <laughs> go pound sand, sand right? <laughs> so a little insight into how the film and television industry works. Yeah. Current events for the day. So. Leads us in today, saying yes. no to things. Saying no. You know, I wanted to talk about addictions because we have dealt with um, people, friends and family, family. members mm-hmm. that have struggled with addictions. We've done a lot of production work for nonprofits that deal with uh, addiction recovery, mm-hmm. rescue missions and post-incarcerative yeah. Incarcerative incarceration people who have got who have been in, in jail or prison who get out and need most, those recovery services. And most all of them are dealing with some kind of addiction recovery that they need. And I thought, you know, we should talk about this because um, especially I thought I, I should interview you. Oh, yay. <laughs> because people maybe who are new to the podcast don't realize if you haven't listened to our stories mm-hmm. back uh, early in the podcast. They're called Unshattered, part one and part two. It's our stories of us telling our life stories and testimonies. Yeah, I think it's episode three and four. Yeah, so speaking of just say no, you know, we grew up in the 80s, uh-huh. us Gen Xers, and <laughs> that was the mantra that we were taught about drugs. Yeah. Just say no. Uh-huh. And it dare. Seemed, dare. Drug. Abuse, resistance, education. Right. And something that that you've been helping me with because I never have dealt with really addiction. Mm-hmm. To me, just say no was okay, I'll just say no. I didn't have friends that were that were addicts. I didn't deal with that and it wasn't it just wasn't around me. Mm-hmm. Um but lately I've had to learn how to deal with people around me who are. Mm-hmm. And you've been helping me to to understand that. I've I've learned a lot about a lot of the preconceptions that I've had about what it means to have an addiction, 
to deal with an addiction that I've... And we're talking about a substance abuse addiction, um, whether it be alcohol or drugs, you know, prescription drugs, whatever. Right. There are other, plenty of other addictions. Sure. But I've learned a lot about those, uh, those vices, if you will, and how, how to deal with them through a lot of the projects that we've done through the years for places like the rescue mission and inspiration ministries, inspiration ministries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Places like that. Um, I've developed a lot more empathy, I guess, Mm -hmm. not that I didn't have it before, but I just never dealt with that. Right. So, but we were talking, we've been talking for the past couple of days, especially about how hard it is to deal with someone who's an addict who doesn't see themselves as an addict, Mm -hmm. but you have been in that you, you were an addict. I was an addict. I was, I was a drug addict. I, 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 I don't want to say I enjoyed in my mind, I enjoyed the drugs because they took you somewhere else and experimented with many, many drugs. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that was my lifestyle for about five years and alcohol addicted. So let's just get specific. What kinds of drugs had you experimented with? Well, it started off with just smoking pot. And mm-hmm. I think that's why when I see all of these bills coming out in these states legalizing pot, and I think this is a terrible, terrible thing. And I'm pretty I am I am 100 percent positive. If you go to any reco- recovery program and ask anybody who deals with this, everyone else would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is a, just because man makes it legal does not make it right. Mm hmm. I, I just I see it all the time. So that that was the introduction of things. Then it was um, uh, cocaine and then crack, start getting into the harder crack mm-hmm. and meth and then ecstasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just all of these really hallucinogenic. It was, that's, that was a really nasty, nasty drug. Right. A lot of so a lot of these are and, and because of where you worked. Right. I worked in a strip club. Right. So these things were. Readily available. Readily available for whoever was coming in and out of the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in some of the stories that you've told me about just those experiences, and you were talking about how um, coming coming down off of a off of a crack high, for example, uh-huh. and how desperate you get to continue that high. It's a really sick thing, and I think I think that's what a lot of people. If you don't if you don't know, it's easy to it's easy for someone else to look at somebody who's addicted mm-hmm. and say just quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's not that simple. Drugs and alcohol even really take hold of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, and and I was sharing with you before before the show before we started, and we were talking about it. Um, you know, there there was a point in which I remember being so desperate for that next high. I mean, you'd run out of your drugs, mm-hmm. and at one point, and it's so disgusting. Like when I think about think back on my life and just the the visual image, and I can see myself doing this. It's almost like this out of body experience when I look back on it and think, "What in the world were you doing?" Yeah, you know. So um, here I am. And the others that I was with, and we are like on our hands and knees searching through the carpet, trying to see if we dropped any rock is, is what is what the drugs are called when mm-hmm. they're when they're uh, you know, this is crack. Th- this is crack. Yeah, crack rocks. You know, and so it's just so it's it's so 
it's it's really just so sad. It's it's heartbreaking, honestly. And to think, I praise the Lord. I just I praise the Lord that He brought me out of that, and and I lived through it, and am recovered. I you know I don't, and, and that's the thing. There's so many people who need recovery, mm-hmm. and my journey was a lot different than most people. I just changed my lifestyle. Yeah, I went to church. I saturated myself in the word of God. I just surrendered. And that, I mean, and, and just praise the Lord. The Lord took it all away. So you said it was, it, when we first started this conversation, you said it was you were trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Is that, you think, the what is a common denominator with people that end up getting addicted? Is oh, that they're just oh, looking absolutely. for an escape? Oh, yeah. There's, there's some sort of trauma that's not dealt with. Right. It, like nine times out of 10, you can find that across the board. And f- unfortunately, because laws keep getting changed and it's becoming recreational, mm-hmm. now people are being sucked into these drugs and other drugs. It just it just leads down a terrible path. Right. So we keep making it easier and easier. Yeah. Who was it? Oregon who just legalized the heroin. And oh, yeah. it, I mean, just absurd. Yeah. Well, I, that's not going to end well. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, when we try and explain this to our girls, because, you know, they they ask questions about these things. Look, they, they see this stuff portrayed in movies and television mm-hmm. and um, and they want to know, well, what does it mean? You know, what what are drugs and what does that mean? And why do people do those things? And how what I tried to explain to our oldest to Elizabeth is, you know, it starts off as a, as a bad decision or two that you just try it. And it very quickly, when, when we talk about that people get hooked, it creates a chemical dependence. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they're, 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 Oh, detox was awful. Like I I remember. We'll talk about that. Well, well, you just, you just, you go through withdrawal. I mean, Mm. and if, if nobody's ever experienced, it's not pleasant. I mean, your body is is literally trying to heal. Well, the one thing I, I will never forget in scripture when I first read it was be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Mm-hmm. And that's in First uh, Peter 5, 8. And I will never forget reading that. And I'm thinking of all of these things, all of these toxins that I'm putting into my that I have put into my body that people do put into their body you know i'm just i'm not talking about just myself you know when it says to be of sober mind that's across the board Mm -hmm. that's everything um to be ready yeah and it's one of those reasons too when we when we started our ministry fearless features that was one of the i guess the vows that that we made to each other and Mm -hmm. to the lord is um if we're going to do this, we, we, we take this very seriously that um, we're not going to allow ourselves to be uh, dragged off course by anything. And so we completely eliminated. I mean, <laughs> it's not like we had a drug problem here in our house, right? That, that was <laughs> no. far in the past. Yeah. But we said absolutely no more alcohol ever anywhere. Yeah, the recreational drinking, yeah. you know, people think, oh, it's harmless. Well, you know, really, you don't need it. No, you just don't need you it. You don't need it. When when I looked at it, and I, I all through Scripture, when you see people that were consecrated unto the Lord mm-hmm. for doing great things for the Lord, that yeah. the Lord could use mightily, 
and that they they made those vows to you know not allow themselves to be led astray by those things and just in my past i i I never got to the point of being and you know a serious alcoholic but i i did partake in that and uh, and i knew when i would tell people uh and still to this day i will tell people that i never really made a good decision when i was under the influence of alcohol <laughs> never and ever. so why do i need that yeah and what you're talking about right there just ridding ourselves of even the recreational occasional drink here and there mm-hmm. i mean we, it's not like we had an alcohol problem or anything right. it was just hey we liked a beer every mm-hmm. now and then you know but then you know it goes back to scripture and what it says in hebrews 12 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let me tell you i know how easily entangled you can be and get and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and one of the things too that that i have struggled with is how to deal with somebody who who i have known to be um very focused and very driven and then watch watching somebody and we've seen this with people in the family mm-hmm. and friends that they 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 start down that path and then they get to a point where you can't even deal with them anymore mm-hmm. and where is the point that you have to say no more yeah you know, it's I, I look at it and I say it's tough love because you realize that you are no longer the person who's going to speak to the into the lives of that of those people. Mm-hmm. And and I've done it personally myself with with family members. I've done it with friends. I've just completely had to disconnect because like I tell our kids, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I cannot associate or be around you if you are going to continue in this destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. This is not who I am. It's not the direction I'm going. It's not good for me. And it's certainly not good for you. So it's tough love. You have to just say, sorry, no more. Clean yourself up. Get the help and pray. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that's all we can do, I think, is, is ultimately it is not our job to save them. They have to save they, they, they have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, and, and they have to be able to do the work themselves. You know, it's, it's like when we talk about, we've had conversations about uh, dealing with the whole transgender or homosexual issue. I mm-hmm. love you enough to tell you the truth. Absolutely. I love you enough that, the whole, that, that term, tough love. I'm tough, and I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you as a friend. I love you as a family member, and because I love you, I'm going to tell it to you straight. You're messed up. Yeah. You have got to get yourself clean. Mm-hmm. And until you do that, I'm done. Yeah. Right. There and it's come, hard. It's it, hard because you love these people. It is. It's very hard because you desperately want, you desperately want to believe that you can talk them through it. Mm. But the truth is that once they reach that point where they are not in their right mind and they're, they're chemically dependent that's why that's why it says be of sober mind. You right. cannot make good choices. Right. And guess what? The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking right. for someone to devour. Right. You don't want it to be you. And they're no, they're no longer of sound mind to be able to make those rational decisions yeah. and as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. 
you have to walk away and say, you have got to, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to get yourself cleaned up. You need Christ. Mm -hmm. When that happens, my door is open Mm -hmm. until then. I, I have nothing for you. Yeah, so the, the best resources I can do is is to point people to places like Inspiration Ministries and the Rescue Mission, the the Karis House, places that have mm-hmm. recovery programs who can help. Uh, and I, I know that there are many others. And if I find those, I'll definitely link to those in the show notes. But, you know, mm-hmm. people, have, there's a lot of people needing help. And we had an interest, you, you have a story about right after we met and we were dating and... You, and we had this, and I didn't realize until later that it was, it was me showing you tough love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were dating and, you know, I was still working at the, at the bar and so mm-hmm. still drugs are readily available. And, um, yeah, I just remember, I just remember you're like, oh, sorry, you know. Because you had been smoking pot. I had been smoking pot. And you came in and I could smell it on you. And then you, you admitted to me that you had been with a friend and you had been smoking. Yeah. And you're like, well, um, this relationship is no more if you uh, are going to continue to do that. Yeah. I think I basically, and I was getting, I like literally was on my way out the door. <laughs> I was were, on my way to a shoot out of, you know, in another state. Yeah. And I think that's basically, I said, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not not fun. Yeah. And it was hard. It was hard. I mean, even at that point, we'd we'd only been together for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. But I remember walking out the door and thinking, well, I hope she's still there when I come home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now look at what you've done. (laughs) But no, no, it was it was one of the it's it's just, you know, somebody when you really care and and you and you realize that others really care. Mm hmm. And, and that's why I said it's, it's usually trauma. There's trauma in somebody's life. And until those things are dealt with. And that was it. I mean, that was, that was the end. And that's what it took was, was somebody saying, giving, giving real consequences. Yeah. I I had gotten away with it for so long. I mean, five years can, I mean, for five years I was fine, you know, with my, me and my drugs. And And, and everybody around you let you do it and was fine with it. And no, totally acceptable. Nobody told you no. Yeah. So if you have friends who are letting you continue to do these things, find new friends. Yeah. You need new friends. You need new friends. End of story. And if you're, yeah. And if you're stuck in that situation and you know, who listen, listen to me when I tell you that you're, your real friends are the ones who are going to tell it to you straight, Mm -hmm. who are going to tell you, listen, you're messed up. Mm-hmm. You need to get some help. Yeah. And those are the ones who care about you and love you enough to tell you the truth. That's right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today and listening in to our conversation about tough love. <laughs> and you can find out more on our website at fearlessfeatures.org about our ministry, our filmmaking ministry and other podcasts. And be sure to join us on Thursday when we'll introduce you to Alex Newman. Oh, so excited to have Alex. Awesome, awesome interview. He's like a multi-part interview, but we'll we'll start we're you gonna off. We're going to have to break it off. You know, break it up. Give you small doses of Alex, and, and then, then we're going to introduce you to Judith. Oh, <laughs> yes. So thank you guys for joining us for the Mind Polluters journey as well. And if you would like to help support that mission and that film, you can um, head on over to fearlessfeatures.org and learn more about the Mind Polluters. Thank you so much. Have a wonderfully blessed day, and we will talk to you again on Thursday.